As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. And good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepke. Well, after the delay, the reaction. There have already been howls from some business leaders about the effect of four more weeks of restrictions. MPs will have their chance to give their view of the delay in a vote expected this week. Several senior Conservative backbenchers have already been giving vent to their anger. But the Cabinet Office Minister Michael Gove says it's a terminus date and only an unprecedented and remarkable change can derail it. The Chancellor deliberately decided to go long in terms of financial support into the autumn. And I, I think he's right, has calculated, will help support the economy. And all the evidence is that the, uh, the economy is performing better um, than many feared. So July the 19th it is. Michael Gove also reiterated that furlough will not be extended. Well, joining us now is Mary Foy, Labour MP for the City of Durham. Mary, thank you for being with us. Warm welcome to the programme. Do you think in the end it was the right decision to delay the lifting of COVID restrictions? Well, well, let's be clear, the delay is only happening because, once again, the government have acted far too slow. Um, obviously, we have to be guided by the public health and the science but, you know, they were warned. They were warned, the government were warned that this variant would take hold. You know, we have a government who are, talk, talk a lot about being strong on, on our borders. And here we see them having the, you know, the borders open and this, this Indian variant was allowed to take hold. And, you know, that alongside not having proper measures in place for sick pay and surge vaccinations, there's a, a, once again... Um, incompetence and bumbling by the, the Prime Minister. How is it going to affect Durham, businesses, individuals, people hoping for the restrictions to be lifted? How will it affect them? Well, I think it's going to be hugely disappointing and potentially damaging for, for many businesses, especially those in the, the hospitality sector. I mean, it's, it's totally wrong that those businesses have to suffer because of the, the government's poor handling of, of the borders. You know, there are a lot of pubs, it's, it's National Beer Day today, I think. There are um, a lot of pubs who are, and restaurants and music venues who are really um, have been affected by the restrictions and they've been really waiting to open up again on the on the 21st. So this extra four weeks is going to be a huge, a huge blow to, to their businesses. 
So what then about the government's decision? We heard there from Michael Gove, they're not going to extend furlough, they're not going to extend the sort of business support that's been there before. I mean, I suppose people say, well, they're running out of money. But what do you think of that? Well, you know, the, 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 the furlough and any economic support must last as long as the public health restrictions are in place. Um, you know, and sick pay, there are people, a lot of people who are on um, low wages who cannot afford to take time off to self-isolate. There are people who cannot even afford to take time off to get the vaccine. There needs to be proper sick pay in place. And Labour were warning about the financial support for over a year. We've been warning about this financial package. You mentioned that there's not enough money. There may not be enough money. There has been billions, billions wasted on the track and trace system, on companies who provided failed PPE. Um, as we all know, it's, it's friends, friends and family of government ministers. So the money's there when it wants to be. Um, you know, and if we see a, a further lockdown, um, then that's going to have a huge economic um, impact on, on many businesses and families. Yeah, but it's a hard argument to make when the latest data, for example, this morning shows the jump in in workers being brought back on. Yes, we're still below pre-pandemic levels, but close to 200,000 people were hired in May. The jobless rate is at 4.7 percent. It's hard to say that the government didn't handle the economics of it you know, pretty well with the furlough programme. Oh, yeah, the furlough programme was. Finally, um, it worked really well, but it has to be extended. It's not a, a miracle cure now. There are still a lot of businesses who are struggling. And, of course, these businesses, um, they employ people. So as long as these restrictions are in place, the furlough scheme and other economic support packages have to be in place too. Mary, let me ask you about a different area. I know you've been very strong about the problems with education in terms of school building, school infrastructure, and, and, and how poor some of it is in many areas. Now, government's concentrating on the ideas, of course, of catch-up teaching after the pandemic, but should perhaps the, the infrastructure be more of a priority in some ways because kids can't learn if they haven't got a place to be? Yeah, I was at a, um, I visited a, a school in my constituency yesterday from Wilgate School, which is a building that's been there from the, since the 1960, 1965. And it is unbelievable how poor, how poor that building is. And it's, it's floods. Um, as soon as there's any rain, um, it's all very old buildings that are crumbling. And that's not a great atmosphere. It's not a great learning environment for young people. Um, we know that um, education is so important, but the buildings do have um, a massive part in playing in that person's um, education. If you have state-of-the-art um, sports halls, state-of-the-art um, technology labs, you know, all of those things have a, a huge impact. So, um I'll be fighting as um, much as I can to have that school and others in my constituency um, rebuilt because they were actually rebuilt, uh, earmarked for a new build um, in 2008-9. And then we know once the um, Tory Lib Dem um, coalition came in, Michael Gove pulled, pulled all the funding for that. So it's been waiting ever since for a rebuild. Um, and I, I was mm. talking to the head teacher there yesterday and... Um, the other issue is the shortage in catch-up money. Um, the catch-up grant isn't enough. And so I've um, organised a roundtable of head teachers um, in my constituency for the next few weeks just to find out what those issues are and 
So I can press government, press the ministers on um, the rebuild money and obviously um, increasing the catch-up fund. So is it more important to have the the rebuild money um, rather than the catch-up tuition? Um, And also, I guess, your view on vaccinating youngsters, for them to be in buildings and in school, you know, some of the teaching unions have been in favour of vaccinating uh, teenagers too, are you? Yeah, we've we've seen now that um, young people actually do um, spread the virus and there's been numerous um, class, classes and whole year groups have had to go home and self-isolate um, because somebody's caught, caught the virus. And that has an impact on, on families, um, having to then stay off school, stay from, from work and having to look after children. But I, the first part of your question, I don't think it's either or with the buildings and um, the catch-up fund. That's two different pots of money. We know that there are pots of money available for... Um, uh, for, for um, co- the COVID um, PPE and the track and trace, all of those things are there. So we need, if, it, if the government are serious about levelling up, then these children deserve to have um, a, a state of the art or even a 21st yeah. century school building to learn in. Mary, let me ask you about something else again, which is to do with your own party. Uh, you have the Batley and Spen by-election, of course, coming up. Um, we had a by-election and didn't go so well, not not very quite recently. Um, recent polls suggest that in Batley and Spen it could be very close, and this should be a seat Labour could win, should keep hold of, in fact. Has Labour done what it needs to win back the initiative in northern England, in your part of, of the country? Is Labour in the right place for that? So yeah, um, we have that. Um, you know, we the the other areas in the north in, near Batley and Spen who've done very well uh, lately with with election results. And I think um, until until the people in the north, including Batley and Spen, see the real see the re- these promises of levelling up and creating more jobs. Um, until that happens, I think there are still and quite a number of people who are, um, well, they're holding on with Labour. Um, until those until those promises come to fruition, I think there's a lot of mistrust with the, with the Conservative government. So hopefully we are in the right place. Um, and we have a candidate who's a, a local candidate, and mm. she's, she's very popular, she's very passionate um, um, about the area. Can so, Labour... Uh, can Labour sit back, though, in that way and wait for the Conservatives simply to fail with their initiative in, in the north of England and in, in the Red Wall? I mean, is Keir Starmer really cutting through? Oh, we absolutely are not complacent at all. I know we've had some, some terrible results in the north um, with the local local council elections um, and the, the, the last by-election and absolutely no room for complacency. Um, and we know that we need to be out there talking to people and listening to people and showing them that Labour are the party for them, the Labour who care um, about the, the, the many. Um, so there is no room for complacency. Obviously, the pandemic has um, been the, the, the highlight. That's taken the, the, the front news stories, if you like. And so it's getting through. We have to get through this pandemic in a, in a, in a really... Um, manageable way where we see well we've seen the, the failures of the government during the pandemic um 
but there, there is a and there's going to be a lot of fallout from that after this is all over and once we are back to normal we yeah. know that there'll be um lots of families struggling and businesses struggling and let's see if the, the government put the money where their mouth is Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Let's now go on to some other stories. And we begin, Caroline, with the Prime Minister and Australia. Yes, exactly. This is a new dawn, apparently, for the UK. British products like cars, scotch, whiskey and biscuits will be cheaper to sell as part of a free trade agreement with Australia, the outlines of which uh, have been laid out today. Downing Street has also confirmed that there will be safeguards for farmers who have previously been pretty concerned about being undercut by the price of imported goods. Boris Johnson insists the agricultural sector is safe. We have protections against uh, sudden uh, influxes of, uh, of goods and also making sure that we uh, adhere to uh, the strongest possible standards for, for animal welfare and, and, and as you can imagine that's what the, the British consumer is going to want. Now Boris Johnson obviously giving some assurances there but a cross-party group of around 20 MPs has written to the International Trade Secretary Liz Truss demanding greater powers to scrutinise and approve the UK's international trade deals. The MPs warned that uh, Truss that effective scrutiny was essential in order to allay fears that British farmers will struggle to compete against Australia's farming industrial complex. Well, on to some good news when it comes to British companies because they ramped up hiring in May an extra 196. 7,000 employees were taken on board by firms. The jobless rate also fell to 4.7%, Roger, in the latest official data out today. Payrolls do remain about half a million below where they were back in February 2020 before the pandemic hit Britain. So still a long sort of road to recovery in terms of the full jobs picture, but all eyes at the end of the furlough programme. How much might that drive up unemployment? And Michael Gove says people should have the opportunity to show their strength of feeling against prejudice after his cabinet colleague Priti Patel branded the act of football as taking the knee as gesture politics. The cabinet office minister told Times Radio, I think that people who want to show their strength of feeling against prejudice should have the opportunity to do so. His comments come a day after the Home Secretary said she did not support England's footballers taking the knee. 
Right, so all the news in the world of politics this morning. Well, let's move on to discuss what's happening here in London. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, and three business groups are all asking for more government support for the capital's economy after the Prime Minister said late on Monday that he would defer lifting England's pandemic restrictions until the 19th of July. This means that nightclubs will be unable to reopen, but weddings with more than 30 guests can go ahead. England's hospitality sector is struggling, currently operating at between 40 and 75% capacity. I'm pleased to say that joining us now is Amy LaMay, who is London's night czar, co-founder of the nightclub Ducky. She recently launched the Mayor's LGBTQ plus venues charter. Amy, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us. Um, Sadiq Khan says that businesses in the culture, nightlife, hospitality sector are being pushed to the brink of collapse. How many venues do you think will close with yet another delay to reopening? Well, look, this delay to restrictions being eased is a real blow to many businesses and to London's nighttime economy. So many of our hospitality culture and nightlife industries are struggling to survive, as you mentioned there, with reduced capacity. And our world-renowned nightclubs have been completely closed for more than 15 months. Now, they're all desperate for restrictions to be lifted as soon as possible. They want to get their businesses back on track, and they've been planning for months to be ready for next Monday. And as a result of the Prime Minister's announcement yesterday, we are really in danger of losing countless businesses, jobs, and livelihoods. It's absolutely essential that the government provides urgent and comprehensive financial support to help them through this further period of uncertainty. And to be honest, this means extending the full business rates holiday. It means extending the evictions moratorium that is meant to come into place at the end of the month and existing um, and extending the existing furlough scheme until all the restrictions are lifted and we need an extension of cultural recovery grants. Yeah. I mean, every day that social distancing rules remain in place, it pushes more businesses in sectors like culture and hospitality to the brink of collapse. But I, I suppose the thing, Amy, with this is in practical terms, specifically, I mean, things like rates and the quarterly rent bill are coming pretty soon. I mean, is it that where, where, the, where the money needs to be going, some arrangement to do with that? Well, I think that there are a number of factors here. Um, we're expecting the government to lift that um, ban on uh, evictions uh, at the end of June, and that is something that really worries us because so many businesses are not able to operate at full capacity um, and some are still closed like nightclubs. And so it seems unfair that if we are expected, if the industry is expected to adhere to these rules and regulations for another month and everyone in the industry will step up and do the right thing, but we also need the government to do the right thing and to support these businesses so they're able to open their doors again when it's safe to do so and also for them to play that central role in our economic and our social recovery once we can get back to fully reopening. Okay. Um, 
in that sense, you would need to do that safely, uh, given the pandemic. I mean, which could well last for many more months or there be more variants. Do you back quick testing for nightclubs, for example, to be able to reopen? There are um, some question marks about how effective that might be. Do you back quick tests for the nighttime economy? Well, like everybody else, uh, I want to see our venues open again with more and more Londoners allowed back into live events this summer. Um, And I've been really encouraged by the test events that have taken place. Uh, People had to prove a negative COVID test within 48 hours of attending events, and there appears to have been no associated increase in case numbers. Um, If people are required to take a test before attending events, There has to be, of course, the necessary information and resources in place to ensure that those attending can confirm their test results, get the guidance and support they need to self-isolate. And, you know, the mayor has expressed concerns in the past about this proof of vaccination um, because there's no system in place for how it would be administered and the risk of leaving people being discriminated against or treated unfairly if they have legitimate reasons for not taking the vaccine. So there's a lot of questions that are unanswered. But, but Amy, I suppose one of the, the questions that is unanswered is how these particular venues can accommodate the situation. So, for example, social distancing. I mean, almost self-evidently, a nightclub couldn't really do that, could it? I mean, it, it, it almost becomes impossible. So in that sense, I suppose you can say, well, maybe the government's right, keep them closed. No, I mean, nighttime businesses are very good at innovating and they're very good at following strict rules. They do this as par for course. Um, Even before COVID, they were adhering to strict rules around licensing and health and safety. So given half a chance to survive, they will be at the heart of our recovery. Um, You know, everyone's had to adapt and there's no reason to think that you know, our nighttime venues can't adapt. In fact, they're some of the most innovative uh, operators in the sector and have shown that they've been doing the right thing for 15 months. We don't want them to close now due to lack of government support at the very last hurdle. Um, where can you campaign then to get effective help? Is it at a local borough level? Is it at the London Assembly level? Because it does seem as if... Um, Unfortunately, neither you nor the industry nor the mayor really have the ear of the man with the purse strings, and that is the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak. Look, we're building bridges with central government, and that is an important thing to do at this time. Mm. You know, I, don't, I think we all want to see our businesses uh, not just survive, but thrive. Uh, and so we are putting pressure on the government to, to step up and to continue the support for as long as the restrictions are in place. Um, the, you know, the mayor and I are really proud that we've been able to help some of our most at-risk businesses in London with a £2.3 million fund for, uh, 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 for our most at-risk cultural venues. And that includes venues like grassroots live music venues, nightclubs, LGBTQ plus venues and artist studios. So we're looking after the grassroots as well as we can to make sure that they can flourish once uh, they can reopen their doors. But we really need the government to step up now, especially at this you know, late moment where we're heading for the final hurdle. We need their help. Amy, I mean, there will be people who will listen to this and say, hang on a second. There are so many priorities right now. 
if if some of these venues go to the wall, if they, they collapse, so be it. They'll come back when, when things change. Uh, the, the, these are instances of businesses, really, that don't have longevity anyway. They come and they go. So perhaps it isn't an important thing. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting point you raised. Uh, but before COVID hit, uh, the economy at night in London was growing faster than it was during the day. We were on an upswing and then COVID hit and everyone had to close their doors. So I'm afraid that argument doesn't really hold. The thing is, is that this is people's livelihood. It's their jobs. It's the way that they pay their rent. It's how they feed their children. It's how they pay their their bills. And so at what point does a sector not become viable when they've done everything the government has asked them to do to the state? So it's important that the government steps up at this very last hurdle to help an industry that is absolutely on its knees and, and an industry that wants to trade its way out mm. into the world of recovery. You know, nobody really wants government handouts. They want to be able to trade their way to prosperity and be a central part of our economic and social recovery here in London. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.